0: Early on the morning of January 4th, 2012, a cryptic, short text appeared on the internet site of 4chan, with a plain background and with a hidden image of a cicada. You know, one of those very loud, obnoxious bugs that kind of looks like a locust and a giant fly.
1: Hello. We are looking for highly intelligent individuals. To find them, we have devised a test. There is a message hidden in this image. Find it, and it will lead you to the road to finding us. We look forward to meeting the view that will make it all the way through. Good luck, 3301.
0: Many speculated this was some secret cult group or a recruiting means for the NRA, the CIA, the FBI. But who was really behind this? What was its true purpose? Or did it even have one? Regardless, you can't just post something like on the internet saying, we're looking for intelligent people without causing a bit of a stir and a global phenomenon. And so it started, The Hunt for Cicada 3301. Join us tonight as we attempt to unravel one of the strangest rabbit hole visits of all time. From a child born into this world we are taught what to believe. Close-minded we become fearful to be deceived. Still we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway.
2: So I'm kind of a computer guy. I've I've talked about it before. I spend time on Reddit and TikTok, and and I'm all over the place. I'm familiar with 4chan. Not that I'm a frequent browser user, whatever you want to call it. It's not really my little corner of the internet. But like you said, you know, or like we referenced, 4chan is sort of the birthplace of a lot of internet culture. Everything from the lolcat memes to anonymous, you can say, probably came out of 4chan. Now, 4chan is sort of notorious For any, for probably for every good thing that may have spawned from 4chan, there's a dozen things (laughs) that were kind of a mess or, or definitely not good. But this Cicada 3301, I graduated from college in 2000 and I went to school for computer information systems. My son is currently going to school for computers and so is his girlfriend. And I asked him about Cicada 3301 today before he went back to Columbia and never heard of it. He never heard of it. And I had heard of it. I'd never really dug into it. And then when you mentioned it, you know, for for our next you know set of episodes, when last time we got together, I got a and and I was like, no, I'd heard of that. And then as I got to looking into it, I don't understand any of this. This is over my head.
0: I think it's uh, definitely over my head. So if it's over Bill's head with a background in it, it's going to be over both of our heads here.
2: Now the the interesting thing is 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 like you said, this is a mystery wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in a conundrum. I mean, it's. This is some really deep dive computer hacker type stuff. It's an onion. Uh, You just keep peeling layers. Yeah. Even the Washington Post labeled it the most intricate and enigmatic conundrum of the internet age and one of the top five eeriest unresolved mysteries of the internet. And to this day, I believe the final puzzle still has not been solved. There have been multiple puzzles, but it started on January 4th, 2012 on 4chan with a with just that, that white text on the black background with the, the hidden image of the cicada. And so it was signed 3301 and, and thus was born Cicada 3301.
0: Now, ironically, that cicada image doesn't come out until much later because that's part of one of the riddles that they have to decipher. So, yeah, we, it's addressed 3301 very early it was on.
2: White text on a black background and then adjusting the settings of the image or something brought this cicada image out of it, which, again, I mean, I've I've tinkered around a little bit with image editing and whatnot, and I know people do all kinds of crazy stuff, but this was... I mean, this was the first steps of just this crazy internet conspiracy.
0: Well, each post was just a sequential step in proceeding to the next part of what we could only assume to be the end game. You know, where it was assured only a few would find themselves. You know, but what lay there for the few? You know, possibly wealth. Was it glory? An invitation to some elite secret group or organization? It was uncertain. Regardless, many were up for the challenge, at least in the beginning. In this first posting, the text was not really believed to be the clue, but rather some guide to suggestions. It was that image that Bill was alluding to that was extracted behind it that held the key. Now, many people tried all sorts of filters and softwares with Photoshop, and they brightened it, and they darkened the image, enhanced the image. And then someone finally thought to open the image in a text file which to most just looks like a bunch of garbled gibberish, various letters, numbers, symbols. While these mean nothing to us, to a computer, this is code. What the person found, however, at the end of many pages of this gibberish was a string of characters that looked odd. And in all of this, and I'm not even going to try to, to say it or to, to do it because it's like LXXT33 high square, but there was the words Tiburus Claudius Caesar. Now, that was repeated over and over again at the very end of the text. People speculated, and correctly I might add, that the code key must be deciphered using what is called a Caesar cipher. Now, Caesar cipher works by shifting letters in the alphabet a certain number of places right or to the left. For example, the letter A might shift two times to the right, so now A becomes C. The letter B would become D, so on and so forth. If you reach the end of the alphabet, like with the letter Z, well, then Z would start all over again, and it would become B. For this reason, it really isn't hard to crack this cipher. In today's standard, it's, it's not even considered secure. So, but it weeded out a handful of players regardless as they continued on to step two. Now, while it's simple in today's society, uh, it's often used as the first stepping stone in cardiography even today. So it would stand to reason that historically speaking, it was used as the first riddle to Cicada 3301. Now, ironically, the image was a type of a spoof, if you will, for those that tried it, because when you did this, a picture of a wood decoy duck, you know, one of those that you literally float out in the pond and you pull ducks in this wood decoy duck image pops up with a note stating, whoops, just decoys this way. Looks like you can't guess how to get the message out. So, The first defense wall was greeted in participants of the duck decoy photo. It was to be expected. I mean, this is a game of riddles, right? It couldn't be that easy. But the decoy duck was actually not just to anger people. There was actually another hidden meaning in it as well, with two words being specifically. The words guess and out. And the statement looks like you can't guess how to get the message out. This implied the image should be ran through yet another program. And again, to computer people out there, there was a program that some of you might recognize called Outguess to find its true meaning. Now, furthermore, throughout this crazy scavenger hunt of riddles and word twists, and out, Outguess would become a major reoccurring favorite part for Cicada 3301 to use throughout the entire experiment, entire game, whatever you want to call it at this point. It's used often in the study of steganography, and this is a term that simply means hiding an image or a file within another image or a file. This is unlike encryption, which it scrambles the code or text. This makes it unreadable without the proper key. Now, in stenography, that conceals the fact that the secret message exists at all. So this outguess decoding revealed yet another stepping stone on Reddit which relayed the book message as a book cipher. Here we go. A book cipher is almost impossible to crack at all without knowing the actual book that was used in coding it. Cicada 3301 was very careful, methodical, and well-planned to give us just enough hints to keep the game interesting and to keep it going. The participants realized that they were just getting warmed up in the race. The book cipher is a style of encryption that where keywords are pulled from a particular book and then given in coordinates in a clue in which we're to find that key word. An example, the word treasure appears on page 43, line three, word number 20. The word treasure in the clue would be replaced by those coordinates, 43, 30, 20. Then those coordinates, 43, 320, would point out to page 43, line 3, word 20, to find out that that numeric value meant the word treasure. There's something called the Beale Papers, is a document that was printed back in 1885 about an alleged treasure buried somewhere in Bedford County, Virginia. Now, it uses three individual book ciphers, which supposedly reveal the hidden site to where 43 million in gold is still buried there today. The second cipher has been cracked using the Declaration of Independence as the book, if you will. Unfortunately, the other two cipher texts are still a mystery in which book or documents were used to create them. But it isn't for lack of trying. There are still active groups today that are still trying to solve that 138-year-old mystery. But 43 million is enough to keep the interest and code crackers going strong back to 3301. So to decode the 3301 book cipher, people needed to know a book title, which could be found on Reddit site where we left off at. But when you went there, you noticed this long list of books, each all coded themselves. There were also some that noticed a strange heading of what appeared to be random dots and lines placed above, below, and through each other as a string. This just kind of appeared as a banner at the top of the of the window. Now, this might not seem like much, but as anyone who has been trying to crack this code up to now, nothing is by chance, and almost everything has a secret meaning. There were also two other lines of text and random images. One is a welcome mat, literally, a picture of a welcome mat, and the other appearing to be a blurred or kind of a smeared image of possibly the Holy Grail or a knight. Now, going back to the guest site... On the welcome mat image,
1: it gave us another note from Cicada 3301. From here on out, we will cryptographically sign all messages with this key. It is available on the MIT key servers. Patience is a virtue. Good luck, 3301.
0: This information was extremely important, as by this time, many people were muddying the water, so to speak. They were making false claims, false posts claiming they were Cicada 3301. So moving forward, they'd already predicted this would happen. And all these people are trying to claim. So everything to make sure was legit from 3301 would use this key, something referred to as the PGP code, which simply stands for, and I love this, pretty good privacy, PGP. (laughs) Ultimately, it means there would now be two keys to every message and response. One key was public, which the players had, if you will, or those trying to figure this out. The second key was private, meaning 3301 had. It works simply as a drop box without being able to see who was on the other side of the wall, so to speak. A public key could be used to access a drop box door from one side and the private key to answer that same door from the other side to be able to access whatever was put in the drop box. Without each party having their own key, the message, riddle, or text would just sit there in the drop box. This is the principle we all use today for emails and encrypted files that we send over the internet. Now, going back to the blurred or smeared image that I would mentioned that kind of looked like the Holy Grail or the Templar Knight, this was yet another kind of inscription, one called a stereogram, where if you look at the, this image from a certain angle or a point
1: of view, it also reveals a message or a meaning. The key has always been right in front of your eyes. This isn't the quest for the Holy Grail. Stop making it more difficult than it is. Good luck, 3301.
0: The Reddit post still had a long list of books that were all garbled and coded. So the question was still the same, although with a few hints, which garbled book title was needed to decipher this book code? Which cipher then had to be used and which key would reveal how to uncode it? Then, as I mentioned before, eyes begin to examine once again this strange header, this window at the top of the page, made with strange dots and lines and placed above and below and around each other. As earlier speculated, it was not by chance nor random. That was the key that 3301 referred to. And now they were losing interest and nobody being able to figure it out, stating, it's been in front of you the entire time. Those symbols are actually Mayan numbers. 10, 2, 14, 7, 19, 6, 8, 12, and it goes on and on, which translate out to a long string of letters. Now if you go through those letters, I will fast forward a bit here. It actually spells out if you want, kasa mira, sofa thosa nubka. Okay. At this point, it seems like I'm babbling in different languages and probably losing more than a few of you. So I'll try to pick up the piece a little bit. This string of letters derived from Mayan numbers is the key needed to, in yet another cipher called a Vigenarine cipher. You use those letters and move those letters around by the numbers assigned, a very difficult task, even with the key, and it will then decode the entire book list. Again, computers can do this for you a lot easier because this twisted, mind-screwing cipher, if you miss counting one spot, you're left with gibberish. So it has to be executed perfectly. Again, simply put, it has to be perfect. Fast forward to which book it was. The book in question is one titled Bullfinch's Mythology by Thomas Bullfinch. It's a book of short stories centered around King Arthur, and his knights and the search for you guessed it the holy grail so again we will fast forward using the book cipher with a now known book title and codebreakers expected to find yet another riddle but not this time it was a, it wasn't a code it wasn't an image it wasn't a cipher it was a phone number by this time in the game many people had thrown in the towel and quit Others suggested that the person or persons behind all this was nothing more than a random online troll, just getting their jollies by wasting people's times and to see how long it would keep taking the bait. But there were others that speculated differently. Why go to so much trouble? Whomever 3301 was, they were obviously quite schooled, clever. They knew computers as well as history and obviously a multitude of ciphers not to mention advanced knowledge in cryptography.
1: Call us at telephone number 214-390-6098. A quick tracking revealed that this location was in Austin,
0: Texas, and codebreakers were certain they had tracked down 3301 and were at the end of the test, so they eagerly grabbed the phone and
1: dialed the number. Very good. You have done well. There are three prime numbers associated with the original JPEG image. 3301 is one of them. You will have to find the other two. Multiply all three of these numbers together and add a star asterisk com on the end to find the next step. Good luck and goodbye, 3301.
0: Surprise! No answers, just another freaking clue. And so it was. From the first posting, each progressive puzzle got harder and harder, but some puzzles referred back to the previous puzzles. Here it refers all the players back to the very beginning to something apparently had been there the entire time. This again indicated this is not a common internet troll. This entire process was well planned and thought out well in advance, even to heat off those that was trying to take the credit of being 3301. Just way too much time and effort had been dedicated to this, but we still didn't know or understand why. There was a handful of dedicated diehards that went back to look at the original posting once again. And they tried everything, using the various ciphers used, the numeric key to unlock it, then translated letters to numbers and even ASCII codes. But again and again, nothing, nothing worked. But as it was stated, the answer is in plain sight. So they tried Photoshop and various effects to darken, lighten and enhance the image then some noticed the plain background square that the text was actually on. It wasn't a square at all. It was a rectangle. With precise as everything was, why did they make the rectangle larger than what would be needed to fit the text words on it? A smaller square would have worked easy. So why make it a rectangle? Why wasted space? It was then noticed the rectangle was actually 509 pixels tall and 503 pixels wide. As if this whole internet riddle didn't have enough twists and turns of the best sci-fi thriller movie already going for it, it's now going to take a life on of its own. Per the last clue, these were also prime numbers. So as Per was told, if you take the three numbers, 509, 503, and multiply those by each other to the 3301, you get 845,145,127. Then add the dot com at the end to that number, and it takes you to the infamous cicada moth-looking image, with a countdown clock of days, hours, minutes, and seconds. When the countdown was reached to zero, the clock disappeared, and in its place was a list of coordinates across the globe. 14 different locations and five different countries, to be precise, with an invitation to find the closest location to you.
2: Is this uh, when they had the GPS coordinates? Yes. I mean, to summarize up to this point, you know, the first few of these were solvable by intelligent individuals working alone, and that just required a little bit of coding skill and, and wordplay. And then they just become more and more ridiculously difficult. You know, you had the clue that involved a poem from a collection of medieval Welsh manuscripts. Yeah. You know, another another was a quote from a book that was only ever released on three and a half inch floppy disk. I mean, just such obscure things. And so, yeah, you finally get to this point where, like, you think it's all online. This is all coded. And now, you know, you've got a GPS coordinates that are pointing you off into real world location. We're
0: off the computer now.
2: That would scare me. Like, I'm all about solving, like, puzzles and stuff. I like that. These, these would have been over my head. But, man, you you start luring people out in the real world and you get kidnapped or something. That would, that would make me nervous.
0: Well, as Bill said, up to now, Cicada 3301 had solely existed on the Internet. But now it's going into the real physical world. This was mind-blowing. You know, this indicated Cicada 3301 was a global organization, or at the very least, a group of global people working together in unison towards whatever this was. But this also obviously weeded out a few more individuals. You know, Now not only could they sit there at their computer in their house and be code-savvy, but now they must be able to travel, uh, if not globally, to one of the closest locations near them.
2: And and I think at this point it also became clear that there was going to have to be some level of cooperation between the participants.
0: Yes. Well, at first. At first. Yes. Yeah.
2: No. This this thing, this whole mystery goes in so many different directions. Yeah. Like at this point, there's going to need to be some cooperation. But then later on, you kind of get your hands slapped. Put a for stop that. to that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, this obviously, you know, led to the players, you know,
1: to the next message. So. A poem of fading death, named for a king, meant to be read only once and vanish. Alas, it could not remain unseen. The image also shared a warning. You've shared too much to this point. We want the best, not followers. Thus, the first few there will receive the prize. Good luck, 3301.
0: That would stand to reason those still along for the trip dedicated thus far, as Bill said, they're going to be talking to one another, sharing information, especially considering if there was no physical location close to like where you might be, you would almost have to ask for help uh, at some point. But now it was apparent Cicada 3301 was watching you. They warned if you were seen communicating one with another, you would both be thrown out of the program. Now referencing back to the poem of fading death this is the one that bill had alluded to it was released only on floppy disks yeah you talk about obscure this thing wasn't even printed it was on a disk and then once you read it it erased itself from the disk
2: well and at this point in time 2012 2013 who even had access <laughs> to to floppy drives yeah we were we were well into the cd age at that point and, and I don't think I could remember the last time I had a computer that would have a, a floppy drive in it.
0: Mine was high school, but... However, using what others had learned from the various book ciphers, it was uncovered that this weird poetry book released on floppy disk was yet another code site. This one with an asterisk onion extension. Now, onion routing makes the source code untraceable, using random paths, jumping server to server, location to location, tower to tower... Like the layers of an onion, is in which it gets its name. Onion servers are not readily available to most. Again, this is elite equipment. It is the type actually used for the dark web. You need specially designed browsers to even be able to get on what is called the Tor network, or again, most people refer to as the dark web. When most people hear the the phrase the dark web, they're startled and fearful of such things. You know. all kinds of bad stuff, child porn, sex, slavery, drugs, money laundering, you name it. But while that is not untrue, it is actually only a small fraction of what is there. The dark web is part of what is known as the deep web, which is where most of the commerce and banking money transferring that we all use each and every day takes place. You know, when you buy your groceries and pay for it with your credit card or purchase that new game from online sites, It is also the home for email accounts, private databases, subscription services. Again, you know, like when you subscribe to Disney Plus or Showtime or Netflix. So the deep web is vast. And then the dark web is just a small fraction of space within that deep web that special browsers have to be customized to even go to little known fact but the united states military used portions of now what is the dark web for years to send their own encrypted emails and files back and forth because it is so secure now later it became home to private activists who believed in utmost privacy and which trickled down into what we know and most despise today as the dark web but not all are criminals uh, some of the people that use this today are journalists and writers, often means uh, a way to communicate to their informants, whistleblowers, to help take down the biggest and the baddest. And again, it's because it's so secure. So it seems only natural Cicada 3301 would make this do- their domain at home. Obviously, with concerns and internet privacy and security, this is the place for them.
1: So the players here were met with yet another message. Congratulations. Please create a new email address with a public-free web-based service, one you've never used before, and enter it below. We recommend you do this while still using Tor for anonymity. We will email you a number in the next few days, in the order that you have arrived to this page. Once you received it, come back to this page and send a slash and then the number you received to this URL, 3301.
0: This would be the first time Cicada 3301 would actively communicate directly with the people. Very few people made it to this point, but those that did, did
1: receive an email within a couple days as stated in the message. This message will only be displayed once. Here is a message that has been encrypted with RSA, the Crypt, RSA Perl Module, available C-SPAN. The encrypted message is a number. Break the encryption code, then come back to the same URL then enter the decrypted message to continue. Each person that has made it thus far has received a unique message and an encryption with a unique key. You are not to collaborate. Do not share it. Your message and key will not result in the next step if you do. Good luck, 3301.
0: With each player receiving a unique number and a key, it was easy for Cicada to track who was sharing information, and it would be easy to toss them out. For those that attempted it, they did receive an
1: email stating something to the fact Hello, you've been caught sharing information. Regardless if you crack the code and submit it, we will go no further with you. You have proven you cannot be trusted, and therefore, you are of no use to our beliefs. You are hereby removed from further communication and consideration. Thank you for your participation to this point. Goodbye, 3301. For those that did play by the rules,
0: they did not collaborate or share information this point on, they also received an email, along with an attachment of a piece of music. The song
1: is your own path. Another stop on the road towards enlightenment. Follow it and cheer not. Let the priests of the raven of dawn, no longer in deadly black, with hoarse note, curse the sons of joy, nor his accepted brethren, whom tyrant he calls, free lay the bound or build the roof, nor pale religious lethargy, called to virginity, that wishes but acts not, for everything that lives is holy. Good luck. 3301.
0: Then a musical attachment that sounded like a strange, out-of-key, mystical flute in nature. It was expressed in what was known as a MIDI file, which is a music coded. It is found that there were two tracks laid one over another, each with a message and each with less than 26 combinations of pitch and tone, which hinted each combination could represent one letter. The music was then decoded into a cryptogram,
1: which then could be broken. Very good. You have proven to be most dedicated to come this far to attain enlightenment. Create a GPG key for your email address and upload it to the MIT key servers. Then encrypt the following word list using Cicada thirty three o one public key. Sign it with your key. Send the ASCII armored cipher text to the Gmail address from which you received your numbers. Now, along with this,
0: each player would receive a list of fifty unique words to be used. Word examples were drop, knee, bird, watch, hook. House, feather, just random stuff. After the players actually responded to this, another message appears on
1: 4chan. Hello, we have now found the individuals we sought, thus our month-long journey ends. You are undoubtedly wondering what it is that we do, Are much like a think tank, in that our primary focus is on researching and developing techniques to aid the ideas we advocate, liberty, privacy, security.
0: Then, just as cryptically as they arrive, Cicada 3301 vanished once again. It was assumed they had reached their quota of new membership or whatever it was that they had been trying to get. Up until one year and one day later.
2: It's believed ultimately that the first puzzle was solved by a Marcus Wanner. And according to Marcus, those who solved the puzzles were asked questions about their support of information freedom, online privacy and freedom, and the rejection of censorship. And that those who answered satisfactorily at this stage were invited to a private forum where they were instructed to devise and complete a project intended to further the ideals of the group. I don't believe he ever finished that project, though. So this kind of leads the people to believe that this is sort of an underground hacker movement. Kind of the old school hackers you used to see in the movies that are doing it for the better of mankind. But yeah, they I mean, this was apparently all about freedom and, and lack of censorship and, and things like that. And, but that, that's according to this Marcus who is, is said to be, you know, the, the, the guy who ultimately solved the first puzzle. Now, whether he did or not, obviously we're not going to know.
0: Well, I watched part of an interview and it didn't give names. I'm glad you at least had this Marcus name, but it was talking about some of the people who had supposedly submitted in anonymously, but saying that they participated And they, you know, asked them, well, what was next? And they did say, well, there were some other things, but it it became clearly evident, at least to the speaker of this little, little show that these people just like doing the riddles. Yeah. And then when they found out there was other stuff to do, it was like, okay, this isn't fun anymore. This isn't why we did it. It it
2: kind of became like a mission driven thing. It sounds like, and yeah, you know, they like solving the problems and getting through the puzzle and then they're like, oh, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to do this work. Well, Where's my next puzzle?
0: Yeah, kind of deal. Up until one year and one day later, Cicada 3301 was back with a very similar posting. You know, hello again, our search for intelligent individuals now continues. The first clue is hidden within this image. Find it and it will lead you to the road to finding us. You know, we look forward to meeting the few that will make it all the way to the end. Good luck, 3301. Now, for the most part, uh, it was kind of a rinse and repeat with a few different twists. It leaves you still to wonder why and what was the reason. You know, many speculated whoever was behind this that you know once they went through the testing of the candidates, kind of as I had mentioned, the interest just wasn't there. So maybe they they checked the boxes, they got their numbers, but then they didn't get many recruits. So then it was time to redo it again.
2: Yeah, well, and like before, you know, the puzzles started. As easier puzzles in relation to later puzzles, they would become harder. And then eventually they would lead to real world locations. And then finally to a short lived website on what you call the dark net. And then, you know, ultimately the best and the fastest would find it. Like you said, though, like maybe, maybe the shine had worn off and it wasn't quite the same. And then I guess a third round, a third clue, uh, appeared January 4th, 2014. This time, uh, as a Twitter post instead of on 4chan. And then, uh, with the picture
1: and the message, hello, epiphany is upon you. Your pilgrimage has begun. enlightenment awaits.
2: Good luck. So again, you know, they, they started another one. And like I said earlier though, this time around the third puzzle as yet remains unsolved. Again, they, they say that their intent is to find intelligent individuals by presenting them a series of puzzles to be solved. There was no new puzzle on January 4th, 2015, But there was a new clue posted on Twitter on January 5th, 2016, where the account tweeted a a link to an image with the caption,
1: Leaper Primus is the way. Its words are the map. Their meaning is the road. And their numbers are the direction.
2: So Cicada 3301 posted their last verified open PGP signed message on April of 2017. And it just denying the validity of any unsigned puzzle at that point. So if they didn't have their signature on it, it wasn't real. And again, this final puzzle from 2014 has apparently yet to have been solved. In general, going back to what Eric's already covered in depth, the puzzle's focused on things like data security, cryptography, steganography, internet anonymity, and there's much speculation as to the intent. A lot of people speculate that the puzzles are a recruitment tool for like the NSA, CIA, MI6, Some say it's a Masonic conspiracy. Oh, yeah, got to throw the Masonic. Yeah, some say it's a cyber mercenary group. Others say that Cicada 3301 is just simply a very involved ARG or an alternate reality game. Uh, If you want to compare that to something in real life, Pokemon Go would be an ARG, just a, a video game that kind of spills over into the real world a little bit. Now, if it's an ARG, no company or individual has ever attempted to make money off of it. I would say that ARG thing, you might okay. discount that.
0: That seems a little strange, yeah.
2: And some of the final contestants of the 3301 believe it is kind of a remnant of the late 1980s and 1990s cyberpunk movement, which was, you know, like I said, the freedom of the internet, lack of censorship, things like that. And, and like they said, the stated purpose of the puzzles each year was to recruit highly intelligent individuals. And you know that that's just they wouldn't
0: have gotten me i don't think i would have gotten past no, the first would have couple puzzles any of these. <laughs> they're
2: crazy well like we said this the clues span just all these different forms of media the internet telephone music bootable cd's digital images physical paper signs pages of unpublished crypted books written in runes two pieces of music entitled the instar emergence and interconnectedness
0: well, if I'm not mistaken, like when the coordinates were given in the different countries, there was, uh, you know, eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper hung on a telephone pole or something. It had a barcode that you scanned. Yeah, and one of those, uh, QRs. Yeah. Like a QR code. And I mean, if you weren't the first one there, if you were three seconds late, somebody else already grabbed it. And I mean, they're just crazy, crazy stuff.
2: And clues led you to real world locations in the United States, Australia, Spain, Russia, Japan, Poland, and France. And these clues appeared virtually at the same time, suggesting an
0: organized group. Yeah, this wasn't one person jumping on a flight and going around hanging posters up.
2: So authorities from the Los Andes province of Chile have claimed that Cicada 3301 is a hacker group and is engaged in illegal activities. Now, Cicada responded to this claim by issuing a signed PGP signed statement denying any involvement in illegal activity. And in July of 2015, a group calling themselves 3301 hacked into the Planned Parenthood's database. However, the group appeared to have no association with Cic- Cicada 3301, and Cicada 3301 later issued a PGP signed statement saying they were not associated with that
0: group. So 3301 is still monitoring They're and still monitoring They're still monitoring stuff. They're defending yeah. themselves.
2: They also said that they did not condone the use of their names, numbers, or symbolism in any way. And later, that hacker group that hacked Planned Parenthood admitted they weren't affiliated with 3301. Of course, this group has gained notoriety and public attention, with many, you know, again, saying the puzzles were an in- introduction to occult principles, even possibly recruitment for, a- for occult. Conspiracy theorist Tim Daly, a former research fellow with the Conservative Christian Family Research Council, he analyzed the Cicada 3301 puzzles and stated, The enigmatic Cicada 3301 appears to be drawing participants inexorably into the dark web of the occult, a Blavatsky and Crowley. At the heart of the enchantment is the counterfeit promise of ultimate meeting. Through self divination, and during the first months of QAnon's existence, there were even rumors that Cicada thirty three oh one was behind the enigmatic Q, and you know the the figure who originated these conspiracy theories, and that they had saying they had created all of QAnon as some sort of live action role playing game. Wow, I will say it
0: was some of the the wording that they used. You have you will be reaching enlightenment. There was kind of a, a religious foundation, if you will, you know, seem to be there.
2: Even though some people that are part of the whole Q thing have been encouraged to look into 3301, 3301 has has never claimed any involvement in QAnon at all. Ultimately, from the sounds of it, from what I read, Cicada seems to be advocating for the right to privacy in a fight against a 1984-like overarching, over-controlling system in which, you know, actually... Like I said, it's kind of reminiscent of the old school hacker mentality of just hacking to prove you could do it and to prove that like this isn't safe and this isn't right. The closest description we have is from Cicada themselves from a leaked email from one of the winners of the 2012 challenge.
1: You have all wondered who we are. And so we shall now tell you we are an international group. We have no name. We have no symbol. We have no membership rosters. We do not have a public website and we do not advertise ourselves. We are a group of individuals who have proven ourselves much like you have by completing this recruitment contest, and we are drawn together by common beliefs. A careful reading of the text used in the contest would have revealed some of these beliefs, that tyranny and oppression of any kind must end, that censorship is wrong, and that privacy is an inalienable right. So
0: we still don't know who was behind this, what was behind this, truly what the end goal was, although I'm going to lean more towards recruitment for something.
2: But I would say it was definitely not a government thing. No, that would be my thought. No.
0: And this was I I refuse to believe this was a group of just internet trolls. There was way too much.
2: The fact that it happened internationally and a lot of the stuff happened simultaneously leads me to believe it was a group. No. It had to be a lot. And then one of the things I read said, Oh, well, this could have been orchestrated by just a couple of people. How can you put up all of this I mean, I guess you could contract it out, but again, if you're working on anonymity and stuff like that, you wouldn't want to bring in a lot of people. Loose lips,
0: sink ships.
2: So I would think it had to be an organization of, I mean, maybe it doesn't have to be a huge organization, but with people all over the world.
0: Well, we promised a rabbit hole venture like none other. I think we've provided one for you. We'll let you, the listeners, develop whatever thoughts you may have. Bill, have you got any headlines for us?
2: Yeah, I have a headline from Wired.com from September 2022, and I condensed this a great deal, but I felt that it just rolled right in with what we were talking about. Games, mysteries, and the lure of QAnon. What do puzzles, video games, and conspiracies have in common? Oh. This was by Adrian Hahn. So QAnon is so sprawling, it's hard to know where people are at with it, where they join, uh, what it is. One week, it's the false rumor that 5G cell towers are spreading diseases. (laughs) You know, the next week it's Wayfair.com is trafficking children inside expensive furniture. Oh, wow. So so who knows what comes next? But QAnon's millions of followers often seem to begin their journey with the same phrase. Well, I've done my research. So recently introduced ARGs. I talked about that earlier. Augmented reality games, things like Pokemon Go are are the most video game-like example. But there are others. But they started as far back as the marketing for Steven Spielberg's movie AI. And this was apparently a very aggressive ARG campaign that had multiple websites that looked like they were real websites for real things, but the dates were like the year 2047 or something like that. And it was just, you know, you followed the clues, you followed these breadcrumbs to get to the ultimate like, hey, go watch my movie kind of website. And, you know, it was just a bit of kind of viral marketing when viral marketing was becoming a thing. And these kind of games have been promoting, you know, all kinds of entertainment. But it's a different kind of entertainment that appeals to a different kind of person. And, and it's a kind of entertainment that rewards discovery in the way that you might think of, like, a crossword puzzle or a word search. You're, you're, you're solving problems. You're solving clues. But you're solving them in a more real-world way. And, and the people that go into these things, they're drawing these connections and, and just the feeling of a hunch that pays off after hours or days of work. I mean, like I said, it's like puzzle books, murder mysteries, adventure games, escape rooms, just these real world experiences that really feel like they have something to them. Uh, even scientific research in its way aims for this same, you know, I'm going to make all these thoughts, I'm going to draw these conclusions, and then I'm going to prove them. And, and you feel like you've accomplished something. So these sprawling games, you know, Like we talked about with Cicada, you can't hardly tackle these by yourself. You know, a lot of these games involve multiple people working together and and they're forced to cooperate, sharing their discoveries and their solutions, exchanging ideas and creating resources for others to follow. Now, while QAnon is not an ARG or role-playing game of any type, it's actually a dangerous conspiracy theory that, that could potentially undermine a lot of things. There are lots of ways of looking at conspiracy theories that are similar to these ARG games, in that, you know, it kind of pushes the same buttons they do, whether whether on purpose or by accident. And in both cases, you know, the phrase do your research can lead the people involved to this just a, a plethora of brain tingling information. So, in other words, QAnon may be the world's first gamified conspiracy theory. It works the same way as the cicada thing kind of worked or these ARG games. ARG games, that's redundant, but but then in a way, there's a lot of world building there. And and sometimes the truth takes a back seat to what people think is going on. And so they create this convincing shared history across different platforms, different networks, Reddit, Twitter, you know, whatever X, I guess it's called now. And and in this world, you know, perfection isn't necessary. As a matter of fact, if you make too much sense, you bring suspicion on yourself. Maybe you're working for the government. Maybe you're on the inside. You know, just a, a certain level of consistency that helps maintain this all-important suspension of disbelief. And that's, you know, a lot of game designers, writers, other creators, they do that when they write their games, their movies, their TV shows. And, you know, when there is an inconsistency accidentally introduced into a conspiracy, You know, that should be a sign that these conspiracies are in fact false. If I can present you with data that argues against what you're saying, shouldn't I be proving you wrong? Instead, the theorist will often fix those errors by working around them and finding new details and essentially rewriting the story when confronted with these inconsistencies or, you know, proving something false. Uh, They'll just explain away the errors with new stories and new theories and, and say that you are trying to undermine them. An
0: ever-living
2: story. Yeah, all you're doing is just presenting fact. So what's special about QAnon and these ARGs is that these errors can be fixed, patched, worked around almost instantly before doubt or ridicule can even set in. And that's really what's special about the QAnon story in, in, is how it's absorbed all of these other conspiracy theories into itself. So QAnon sort of this ever-expanding uber-conspiracy. And... It seems pointless to call out when things don't make sense because there's so many moving pieces that if this doesn't make sense, well, it doesn't make sense because this is what's really going on. And, you know, just people will argue in circles about it. It's kind of a shell game. So community encouragement sets QAnon devotees aside from the usual conspiracy theorists because they're all kind of working together used to be you know you had some lone nut sitting in a basement with little pieces of paper and string <laughs> you know but now you have the ability to work together worldwide in this conspiracy network and and really the ultimate attraction of it like these games is to piece together these theories and and build these stories and have them make sense and helen peterson uh, who was a senior culture writer for buzzfeed news found you know when she interviewed quote unquote a qAnon guy he just told her how pleasurable it was to analyze and to write these stories at night while his kids were asleep, you know, just scouring the internet for the details to, that made his story make sense. And, and in the QAnon community, these theories are, are much more than just theories. It becomes so real to them that the, the stakes are so high that, that any action they take can be justified. I mean, if you truly believe an online store or a pizza parlor is engaged in child sex trafficking, is there anything you're going to do to stop that that's wrong? So they feel justified to do whatever they're doing. And and honestly, they think the authorities are part of it. And so even attacking you know, police or whatever, if you think they're involved, fair becomes game. justified in their mind.
0: Yeah, fair game in their mind.
2: And what's worse is that those that are involved in QAnon feel no responsibility for spreading these unsupported lies as facts. Because again, what they're doing is justified in their own minds. They feel that any problem they have should be solvable. And as, uh, as Laura Hall, an immersive environment narrative designer, describes, there's a general sense of this should all be solvable, findable, et cetera, and that you see in lots of Reddit communities for Unsolved Mysteries and so on. The feeling that all information is available online, the reality and truth must be captured in evidence somewhere. And that's just the truth of it. They think that everything's out there. And so when they find these stories that fit their narrative, you know, they, they create their own truth, really. Uh, and with the amount of information online, I mean, really, oh gosh, it, it's absolutely possible Endless to solve world. these mysteries, which makes it hard to criticize people for trying. Even, you know, there have been times where people online have solved legitimate real crimes and helped people. And there have been times that in the efforts to solve something, they've ruined people's lives. Right.
0: So. We talked a little bit about that on our episode with Jack the Ripper. That was uh, some internet sleuths that have yeah. uncovered at least some new information on on him. That was an interesting twist. Uh, you know, we talked about, obviously, some very real bizarre internet riddles tonight. And uh, following Bill's lead with his headline, I'm going to go back a few decades pre-internet and rip out my headline to share with you from the past. They, as they say, an oldie but a goodie. It's late 1980s. Uh, actually, most likely about 1987 to 1988, as stated pre-internet but right there in that time frame where VHS tapes are all the rage. (laughs) Bootleg, black market, underground VHS tapes, copies of movies illegally done, snuff films, all that sorts of weird stuff. Now it's here, during this time frame, when you might find a short little how-to tutorial that's 20 minutes uh, long. The title, Grave Robbing for Morons. I swear I'm not making this up. The film features a late teen, possibly mid-early 20s young man. He has uh, longer black hair pulled back in a ponytail, sporting a really cool black leather jacket as our host. Now, there's obviously an accomplice behind the camera filming this self-made 20-minute tutorial. And while it might seem inappropriate, I am going to share a detail uh, since the self-proclaimed title is Grave Robbing for Morons. Uh, the young host has somewhat of, a, will uh, say, a bad stutter or a speech impediment, which kind of adds even a, a weirder, twisted, inappropriate humor to the whole thing. Uh, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Obviously, I would not bring this up, but let me go a step further to possibly explain why. The young man, who at first does not state who he is, is quick to point out he's been drinking tonight. And that it's not a good idea to do grave robbing when you're drunk. So, sorry, (laughs) not sorry. He is a moron. You know, he's self-proclaimed. Anyway, he goes on for like 20 minutes giving advice on how to be a successful uh, grave robber, robbing graves, literally digging them up out of the cemetery. There are so many odd things about this little clip, but one really surfaces that he, he addresses taking bones and only bones. Uh, If this moron, self-proclaimed, not my words, his, uh, is stupid enough to admit to grave robbing, and apparently has multiple times, he doesn't take valuables like jewelry. He only takes bones. Anyhow, back to the twisted story. He holds up what looks to be a very authentic human skull in his hand, uh, similar to the works of Hamlet, you know, alas, poor Ortax. Uh, he tells the audience this particular skull, as he is rotating it around, showing the audience, is one of his earliest prizes from his second grave robbing that he's ever done. Now, the, as the film's being shot in what appears to be a maybe a basement or a storage building or a garage, you can see it's unfinished walls. You can see a lot of clutter, tables, things kind of stored in boxes, you know, kind of strewn apart in the background. This guy states... Um, what I would call pretty obvious tips if you were stupid enough to do this. Uh, his number one tip, go out at night. <laughs> do it in the dark. Okay. Number two, and it's, it's always better to go with friends. He says, who can help keep a lookout for you? And he says, what works best is three diggers and three spotters. That's the perfect, that's what you really need to strive for. But then he gets into money. Now, this is a piece of wisdom just ripped right out of the VHS tape. He says, depending on which grave you're going to rob, like it's someone famous, then request more money, like maybe 500000 or something. Now, listening, it was like, I had to say, what? So this guy doesn't just go out and randomly pick graves. He apparently is graves to order. You know, you you, you place your bet or place your, I want this guy dug up and he's a famous actor or whatever, and I'm going to pay you in advance. Or, uh, this This just continues to lead into more of his tips, but... This thing had me going, what, so many times, but that was the first one. Uh, number three, always request the money up front. That seems to be a good, good business practice with this. Uh, and it's really good, he says, to at least get 25%, if not 50% up front before you do the crime. Now, he says, uh, once you get this money, this leads into tip number four, go out and spend it immediately. <laughs> spend every bit of that twenty-five percent or fifty percent. Have a good time. Do whatever. It doesn't matter what you spend it on. Just spend it. So if you do get caught, well, there's no money to prove that you were paid. Okay. Now, folks, I swear I'm not making this up. But number five tip: when you're digging up graves, be prepared for anything. If you encounter a zombie, be quick to knock him out. He actually says this on the for video. For real. For real. <laughs> for real. Yeah, be sure to knock him out. That's where a shovel comes in handy. Now, as he wraps up his advice in this great tutorial video, uh, while self-admittedly stating he has been drinking, mind you, he introduces himself and he says, my name, kind of in a slurred slurred version, my name is Anthony, uh, and he kind of catches himself before he finishes his last name. The brain cells seem to kind of kick in. And he never finished the last name, so uh, he continues to kind of stutter. Probably a good call, Anthony, very good call. Uh, he then goes back to thank his cameraman, who he, he introduces as Gino. We've got Gino here behind <laughs> the camera tonight. Gino's like, man, don't use my name. Well, Gino turns the camera around to show oh, himself so just for a idiot. split second. And he waves and just for a split second or two and then goes back to Anthony, our, our stuttering star of the, of the show. And he continues to thank a few of his friends uh, you know, the three diggers, three watchers. He goes, now there's a couple of these guys. They've been with me since the beginning. I really want to give them a shout out. Takeo and and Boosie. I really appreciate you guys help with me. You've been out on several times, you know, with me and you've always had my back. Now these people, I I swear you, you admit, and you even film yourself confessing to a crime and then are stupid enough to use your own name, hashtag your accomplices. you know, your accomplices. Now this whole thing is just utterly ridiculous, but the video has been inspected by experts and I'm using air hashtags here because I don't know who these experts are or anything about them. So we'll leave that as it is. But regardless, the consensus is that uh, the female skull, which he holds up the moron identifies as a male and it is a female skull. Apparently he didn't read the tombstone that he dug this, this skull up out of, but they believe it's very real. It is a true, legitimate female skull. They also say that some of the other bones that he picks up during the video and are showing are also very real. So regardless of why the film was made, is he just a moron? Is he a drunk moron? Was it supposed to be a spoof, a funny? Or, you know, was this guy just feeling really froggy and he was trying to portray himself as a stud muffin as you did back, you know, in the early 80s? But more disturbing is why do these young men have a collection of real bones in their basement or garage? And the truth is we may never really know because we just know his, his name was uh, Anthony. Cass. <laughs> so, so that's as far as we got.
2: So what is the weirdest, most oddball thing you think you've ever stumbled across just poking around on the internet? On, on the internet. I didn't, wasn't sure what that face was for. I don't, What's the internet? Yeah, let's keep it to the internet. Uh, Okay,
0: internet, internet. I think probably one of the, it's not disturbing, it was just weird. It's I punched in, this is decades ago, what I thought was walmart.com. Walmart.com did not lead me to walmart.com. It led to hamster porn (laughs) and erotica clothing that you could buy from I think it was Japan, somewhere overseas. For for your hamster? For your hamster. Wow. You know, hamsters, female hamsters have multiple.
2: (laughs) Okay, yeah. yeah, I get
0: what you're saying. Family family friendly here. So bikinis, (laughs) and I was just, I I was, there was that point, folks. I'm going to admit it. I'm like, what am I looking at? (laughs) And I paused, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to get this off my internet, you know. That was the weirdest, strangest thing I have, and that I got to somehow by typing walmart.com. I don't think Walmart sells those.
2: Late 1990s, early 2000s, I was not yet, well, I might, I mean, I might've been, Yeah, it might've been even, let, let's say late 90s for sure. I don't know that I was even 20 years old, but I was at home and my brother was poking around. These are the early days of the internet, you know, not everything had a website yet and my brother calls me over and he's like, Hey, look at this. And it's just a plain text website, just no pictures, no nothing. And it is a step by step guide to necrophilia Ooh. and proper care, proper of care, the, the body and yeah. Yeah. You know how to treat it properly and how to take care of it. And, and I'm just like, how did you even find this? And he's just like, Oh, was just poking around, you know, typing in different stuff. I'm like, No, you you don't, I don't think you find this on accident. (laughs) Walmart.com. My, you know, it was just one of those things. And, and he was just like, so, I mean, we, I mean, we read it. Admittedly, you read it. it, You read it. And it was disturbing. It was not, yeah, it was, it was bad.
0: I I guess if you were a author and you were writing a horror book or something, you know, that might be. Maybe it had A purpose. purposeful
2: article (laughs) i I don't know if it was intended to be i'm not sure about hamster
0: porn being useful in any manner of ways but yeah that's
2: creepy creepy stuff out there creepy so before we dip out before we leave this internet mystery i do want to say if i've done my math right eric this episode marks 100 hours of original Nightmares on the lost highway content, and I think that's a milestone Woo-hoo. as a matter of fact, if we were a TV show, we could be syndicated right now, but wow. we're not so we're, we're not so not, we're not not making a lot of money <laughs> uh or any money off of this, but i I just wanted to say I wanted to take a moment to say, I know we have our dedicated listeners. I know we're getting seventy or so downloads in the first week, like Eric said, we've recently branched out and started posting. I don't wanna I don't wanna say videos. They're not really videos, yeah, but we're yeah. posting on YouTube and I hope that's another way for people to find our content. I know we're getting some views there now and I've been working on on getting that all taken care of.
0: A shout out there to uh, my nephew, Jeremy Smith, who was kind enough to do the artwork uh, that you see, the kind of cartoony version of Bill and I that I think he nailed us on. Uh, that's what we're putting up kind of as the background on YouTube, or I say Bill, I should say Bill is doing it. I um, really
2: like that art, too. I, I really I I appreciate it. that. He did a great my, job for When us. my kids saw that, they said, well, that, that they felt it really captured us, so
0: my former boss, Bill Casey, who actually, uh, I don't know if he listens to us consistently, but I shared that we were on YouTube now and he saw that and he goes, my gosh, he goes, whoever did that nailed you guys, you look so much like that. So I thought that was pretty cool, but yeah, shout out to Jeremy Smith. He's uh, my nephew and he was kind enough to donate that artwork for us to use.
2: But I I just wanted to share this milestone. I feel like this is this is definitely the longest I've ever worked on something that doesn't make me money. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: And as we said, when we went into, we, we were going to do this regardless for the, for the love of it. We, uh, we hoped that at least a handful of people enjoyed, you know, some of the same stuff that we talked about. And I think that's been proven and we, we thank you. We thank you from the bottoms of our heart. It, uh, nothing makes me happier than to see a Somebody comment that, you know, hey, I really enjoyed this episode or that episode or, man, this really got me going down the rabbit hole even further. Love to hear all of that. And that being said, one of Bill's dreams when he came to the podcast and we decided to do this, and I'm on board with him 100%, if anybody is doing any type of a paranormal (laughs) show con, uh, you know, like a comic con, uh, anything along the lines of this. We would very much, very much like to be in attendance, uh, set up a little table, come and talk. Uh, you know, we're not by any means professionals. We know there's bigger, much bigger channels out there. But I've,
2: al- I've always felt that would be like a significant, like w- we have. A plateau. We've, be, you know, we've achieved enough to be recognized. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'll t-
0: toss that out there. No. Hopefully we can get some airline flights to New Zealand for the, next, for the next show that's going to be over there. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed yet another strange rabbit hole episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. If you bared it through watching or listening to all of this one, we salute you. Thanks for listening.
2: Hey, real quick, call to action. I think Eric would agree we'd like to grow this nightmares on the lost highway absolutely if you could if you're listening on apple if you would go and give us a review and, and rate us uh, if you have some feedback that's fine too uh whatever whatever platform you're listening follow us rate us give us some reviews that helps get some recognition and gets our name out
0: there we do have a facebook page nightmares on the lost highway you can easily find us if you want to communicate with us if you want to share some uh possibilities for future podcasts with us you know reach out we want to talk with you guys one of those very loud obnoxious bugs that kind of looks like a locust and a giant fly
2: i had one of those attack me on my porch the other day so annoying took my dogs out for a walk and i heard one real loud and next thing i knew
0: i like land on you and land on your face my chest we are looking for highly (laughs) it's
2: intelligent that's Uh, word. yeah you have anything you want to throw
0: in or you want me to just keep on
2: you have gone way deeper i told than you and I, I did
0: i went way too far
2: <laughs> i i summer my that's that's the the first thing this is the first clue to there <laughs> okay like you, you went on a deep dive i just kind <clears> of <throat> summarized I, it
0: i don't want to like bulldoze you on this one but i, I yeah th- this had so much crap
2: I, I just <coughs> I just kind of summarized all the steps and kind of what went, went through them. I didn't go in nearly as deep as you did. Okay, well, I, <gasps> I'm skipping stuff. Eight
0: hundred forty-five thousand one hundred forty-five and one twenty. Eight hundred forty-five thousand. I can't even talk. Eight hundred and forty-five thousand. Oh, it would be a hundred thousand. Eight hundred and forty-five hundred thousand one forty-five one twenty-seven. That doesn't sound struggling that's a million 845 million thank
2: you, thank you. <clears throat> I want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together uh alex tudor you can almost call him our producer at this point sarah tudor who also helps with some of the technical stuff i want to take a moment to extend thanks to eric for letting us use his space to record in kind of our makeshift studio
0: I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing, and thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms, uh, the
2: final edition, if you will. And I'd like to thank all of you for continuing to, to listen. I know we've got some loyal followers out there. We do this as a labor of love. But we're we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as hopefully as much as we do. Thank
0: you very much.